everyone. This is Emily Grace, and welcome to the Stages podcast of Bernstein Private Wealth Management. Life throws lots of stuff at you. We're here to talk about it. If you want to discuss anything you hear today further or anything else around investing and planning, call me at 212-756-1951 or email me at emily.grace at bernstein.com. Now, today on the stage, we have Liz von Hobsburg and Jack Muir from Winston Art Group. Winston Art Group is the leading independent art appraisal and advisory firm. Liz, Jack, and their entire team specialize in appraisals for all purposes, and they advise on the acquisition or disposal of all types of art, jewelry, and virtually any collectible. Yes, even train cabooses, and perhaps one day, garbage pail kids. Liz and Jack are here with us today to discuss building, maintaining, and then eventually selling a collection. Liz and Jack, welcome. Thank you for joining me. Thank you. Thank you. So we've all heard the astronomical sales that are happening at auction today. So I guess the first question that I would have for you is, is it possible to to collect if you don't have tens of millions of dollars to spend? The answer is, of course. Uh, There are all kinds of categories that you can collect in with less than a million dollars, less than 500,000, less than $10,000, including Hollywood memorabilia, sports memorabilia, uh, drawings, prints, emerging art, which Jack will talk about in a second. Uh, But we always do suggest, just before we start, that you get a good independent advisor to do the due diligence so you know that you're spending the money on something that's actually worth what it costs. So really having a good sense of what you're looking at and that it's not just, you know, I guess you want to like it, So, but if you're really looking to build a collection, knowing that it's something that you like, but also something that perhaps has some value behind it. Absolutely. It's so important to love what you're buying. Um, and that's what we tell our clients is the first thing is always buy what you love. Afterwards, you want to really start looking a little bit more broadly. And so when we're looking at emerging artists, for example, we're looking at artists who have a wide body of work um, that still has room to develop. We're looking at artists who have a simple concept that they can reiterate in their work, but still expand on it with enough um, lifeline and something that is legible and easily relatable to the the audience as well. Um, And finally, skill is really important. And so artists that we're seeing that are doing this really excellently are Hernan Bass, um, Mira Dancy, Deanna Lawson, um, an artist who has done this very well and his market's skyrocketed is Jonas Wood. Um, He has just risen so quickly um, and he's a perfect example of an artist who has a great body of work, varied enough and very legible and easily relatable to mass audience. Now, are you usually the ones coming to people and saying, here are artists that we think are interesting? Or do you often have collectors or somebody wanting to start collecting who will come to you and say, I've seen this artist, what are your opinions? It happens both ways. We have clients sometimes that come to us and say, we like X, Y, or Z artist. And then we go and look at it for them and make sure that that everything's right about it. But usually what happens from that is it expands. So we had someone come to us yesterday who wanted to look at a Wolf Khan, and we did. We went to look at the Wolf Khan, and then we ended up looking at dozens more artists around the city uh, with that couple, and they found some things that they really loved. So really, once somebody has given you a name, you're able to get a better sense of what they might be looking for. Exactly right. Because what are, I mean, I guess that raises, what are the first steps if somebody calls you up and says, 
I'd love to start collecting or I've started a collection, but I'm looking to, you know, bring it further. What do you do with them? You know, we try and explore as many different markets as possible. So we'll take them to the auction previews, which are a really great way to learn about lots of different artists. We'll take them to the art fairs and we'll do gallery tours either in New York City or, you know, even in their regional towns as well. And by take them too, you mean you go with them or do you send them or? We take them directly um, and we send them as much information as we can about as many artists. It's really a discussion and so it's really helpful when clients give us feedback, positive and negative, about what we're sending them so that we can better hone in on what they're looking for. And so it's really a collaboration between you and the the collector to help figure out what's out there and what might what might interest them. 100%. And we often find that clients come to us after they've made a mistake. <laughs> they, realize, they realize that they've done something wrong. That perhaps they could benefit from. Yeah, some advice. So you know, we, we make sure we check on condition and provenance and title and do comparables of what other works have sold for in the past so that they really get something that makes sense and that's really the best that they could get for the money that they have. That's fantastic. Now, where do you see the most room for opportunity today when somebody comes to you and says, I'm interested in getting started? Where do you where do you see that opportunity? I would have to jump in and say emerging art certainly comes to mind first and foremost, but not everybody loves emerging art, but there are some amazing emerging artists. And we were just mentioning before that a lot of our clients are interested in social impact, and there are a lot of emerging artists who are very keen on social impact and what's happening in the environment and, and socially. And we like to look at those artists and see what they're doing and then talk about those artists to our clients. Can you tell me, I mean, that's so interesting because here we're doing a lot of investing in purpose-driven companies, looking at municipalities that are you know, issuing bonds with purpose and really looking at the environmental, social governance of, of companies. How does that play out in the art market? You know, it's very interesting. Um, lately, what we've seen is that the market is moving towards um, artists of minority, so LGBT, female artists, and um, African-American artists specifically, um, starting to look at Latina artists as well. So it's really interesting. We saw a lot of auction results for these artists who were who had never been at auction before or completely overlooked. Um, so it's still developing. I think a lot of what's happening right now is being pushed by a couple major museums. We're looking at MoMA here in New York and the Studio Museum of Harlem, who are really making it a point to collect and expose as many minority artists as they can. Um, what we're also seeing is various you know, public opportunities that, you know, outside of just the general art market, such as you know, the uh, White House portraits um, that Kahinde Wiley did of Barack Obama and Amy Sherrill did of Michelle Obama. You know, these are two African-American artists who had limited exposure before, and being involved in such a big occasion like this really um, brought up their market. I think larger as well, you're thinking about um, social political things that are happening here in the U.S. and globally, um, really are making a lot of the collectors start to think a little bit more clearly about who they're collecting, um, the same way that who are they investing, where are they purchasing their products from, um, a little bit more of a clearer supply chain, and that's translating to a little bit more awareness about who they're buying. One artist that we love is, is Zariah. Is it Zariah or is it Zariah Foreman. Zariah Foreman, who is really in, in, interested in, in the environment and what's happening to the environment, changes in the uh, uh, in the climate and so on. And she's someone that we've been tracking and is still very affordable. She's a superb artist. I love that this is something that people are thinking about and whether 
looking at opportunities. They're looking at how can they do do good with their with their with their artwork, and people want to support these artists. That's that's fantastic. Now, let's say that you, you know, somebody comes in, they meet with you, you help them start collecting and build a collection. You know, what do they? What do you tell them to then do to care for their collection? And is this different for contemporary art versus an emerging artist or you know more traditional art? You know, think of it, thinking about the impact on how you catalog it, get valuations, insurance, protecting it from theft. You know, how do you then help somebody think through this, and what should that look like? For a collector, I think the very first thing we tell clients is that they have to keep their valuations up to date, because unless they have an accurate value on what their works part are worth, they can't make any informed decisions. But secondly, then you have environmental issues like wine has to be kept in a particular uh, temperature, furniture has to be kept away from the light, contemporary art has all kinds of issues now because of the, the media that are being used to make that contemporary art, like blood or like uh, other. Uh, natural substances <laughs> that, that, <are> <laughs> that we might not name here. here. <laughs> exactly. exactly. So those are all the kind of issues that we do recommend clients consider when they're maintaining their collection. Also to instruct their staff as well at home about proper management too. Too many times we get calls about, you know, the housekeeper was trying to clean the neon and broke it <laughs> off or, or something like that. So it's really important to be careful. But when you think about carrying a collection, you also want to think about the long-term life. Um, and so who, what are opportunities to maybe have works ex exhibited at museums or at other gallery shows um, you know, that may not be selling, or any literature ex um, opportunities as well. And so it's good to talk to the galleries that do represent the artist, even if you didn't buy the work from that gallery, just so that you're part of that discussion when opportunities do arise. Just add one more thing, insurance. You mentioned insurance yes. before. Super important way to maintain the value of your collection because there really is no other way to make sure that your, your collection is covered and is, is appropriately uh, insured to market value. And is there, because you had mentioned keeping your valuations up to date, which I assume means also keeping your insurance up to date, but what does that mean? Do you value it every year? Do you value it every five years, ten years? You know. that's, that's a wonderful question. And we have one, uh, one example. Yeah, there was a Basquiat that was purchased in 2004 $4.5 and was sold in 2016 for $57.3 which is a 1,273% increase over 12 it's an years. an awfully nice return. Extraordinary. So what that means is that for contemporary art, it has to be valued every year without question. It has to be looked at every year, sometimes every six months for clients. But something like English furniture hasn't changed in the last 10 years, so we can be much more uh, judicial when we're looking at something like English furniture. So there really is a difference in, you know, it depends on what you own how often you need to do this. And that's probably where you come come in very handy, not just on the, let's help you build the collection, but now that you have it, how do we make sure that you're not wasting your money in valuing that English furniture every year when it's a pretty much going to be a solid straight number versus you know, not you know, doing yourself a huge disservice and waiting too long between valuations on that contemporary art. Because when you think about valuations, I guess when you think about estate planning and liquidity, how does that all come into play with art? Because you, know, you hear these stories about somebody amassing a significant art collection, 
and then they pass away and don't have the liquidity to pay the taxes on that collection. So how do you help people think of what, what should people be thinking about? I would just start it off by saying that what our best clients are clients that have top of the line advisors in all different areas that are all talking to each other. They need someone like you. They need a good insurance broker. They need an accountant. They need a really good trusted state attorney. And they need someone like us. And everybody talking to each other to make sure that the client has the same page. It's important also to have those discussions with the heirs before anything happens. Um, you know, you need to understand what the goals are of the children. If they want to keep the artwork or if they want to sell the artwork so that all those plans can be done in advance and everything's ready to go, you know, when, when the time comes. And do you help them think through, sir, do you redo that plan every single time you buy a new piece of art? Or do you say, you know, okay, let's come up with a plan that will cover whatever you're doing and then we want to revisit it every five years and make sure that it's still, or how do you help people think about that? We always say you really want to think about it anytime you have a big change in your life or probably every five to seven years to just make sure that it's still saying exactly what you want it to say. And so how does artwork impact that? It's different for different categories of art. So we're looking at each category. There are about 125 different subcategories in the art market. Normally we just hear about contemporary art or the big, big jewelry that's being sold. But collectors have different categories, so we have to look at each one. As the market changes and different categories are, are volatile, as they change we look back and see what the client should be doing to protect that asset, to make sure that asset is growing or if they don't want it anymore, to sell it and then reinvest in something else. There are all kinds of things you can do with art now as an asset class to prepare for the future. So basically what I'm hearing you say is that people really should not go this net their self, their own, on their own. They really do need you. Yeah, it's, <laughs> <laughs> because, you know, one, it's not that you're just helping them build the collection, and I'm, that doesn't usually happen just on day one. It's over time. But then it's maintaining it, valuing it, thinking about how it fits with the estate. And then I suppose, you know, we talk about investing. It's not just when you buy, but when you sell that matters. And so how do you help people think about when it's time to sell a piece versus just hold on to it indefinitely. Well, I think the first thing to say is that it's important to keep an up-to-date list, even if it's not valued um, for insurance purposes, at least knowing what you do have is the first step. Um, and you'd be surprised at how many clients you really do lose track, especially when you consider jewelry. Um, and you know, you just go on vacation, you make a couple purchases, and before you know it, you have a huge collection. Um, so that's really important, and that's our first step, is to get a good sense of what's in the collection. Then we look at the individual markets and see, you know, do these pieces make sense right now? Is it better to hold off? Um, and we're looking also, not just selling, but also museum donations. Are, do any of these pieces make more sense to be donated to a museum than they would be sold either privately or at auction as well? Which is also probably where that whole team comes into place figuring out, you know, what's the benefit of selling it versus donating it. Correct. That's absolutely right. And the other thing is, besides markets changing, are there external forces, death, debt, divorce, disaster, that affect what a client's doing with their investments and art? It figures front and center in those, in those questions. In those sort of inflection points yeah. in someone's life. Exactly. 
And we're also looking at what else is on the market. You know, we've seen a ton of Hockneys on the market this season that really hadn't been seen before. So we're mindful of what's coming up, what has been selling well, what's not selling. We want to be careful that our clients are selling at the right time. Um, and so knowing what pieces may be overwhelming the market is really important as well. I love it. So in one word, <laughs> what do you think of the future of the art market? I'll let you go first. <laughs> <laughs> Blockchain. Blockchain? Yeah, absolutely. I think evolving. 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 Which sort of leads in blockchain and evolving sort of lead into each other, right? And blockchain is something we're not surprisingly doing a lot of research on here at Bernstein. Well, I really appreciate both of you coming in to sit with me today, Liz. Jack, I'm, I'm impressed with your wealth of knowledge and always comfortable having my clients reach out to you for, for help thinking through whether building their collection or, you know, how do they then divest themselves of a collection if that's what they're looking for. So thank you so much for coming to speak with me today. You know, it's this information that lets us really plan for, for our life, you know, whether it's in art, in investing, in all sorts of in all sorts of areas. So for those of you who are listening, if today's topics raised any questions for you about the finances behind collecting or collecting itself, you should reach out to me at emily.grace at bernstein.com or 212-756-1951 or you can reach Winston Art Group at 212-542-5755 or at lily at winstonartgroup.com. That's L-I-L-I at winstonartgroup.com. Thank you. Thank you. The information contained herein reflects the views of Alliance Bernstein LP or its affiliates and sources it believes are reliable as of the date of this publication. Alliance Bernstein LP makes no representations or warranties concerning the accuracy of any data. There is no guarantee that any projection, forecast, or opinion in this material will be realized. Past performance does not guarantee future results. The views expressed herein may change at any time after the date of this publication. This document is for the informational purposes only and does not constitute investment advice. Alliance Bernstein LP does not provide tax, legal, or accounting advice. It does not take an investor's personal investment objectives or financial situation into account. Investors should discuss their individual circumstances with appropriate professionals before making any decisions. This information should not be construed as sales or marketing material or an offer or solicitation for the purchase or sale of any financial instrument, product, or service sponsored by Alliance Bernstein or its affiliates.